I'm so excited to have you here as part of the eSpot. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell us, how did you get started in the entertainment industry? And welcome. <laughs> well, thank you for the welcome. It's been a nice, warm welcome. Um, I got started, you know, I, I started acting when I was in middle school. And uh, in and it was just fun and it was a playful, you know, thing to do after school, extracurricular. I started, I continued in high school. I went to Howard University and, and majored as like We see you love out there, you know, Eagle Pride. All the love. Um, yeah. And that's what, you put up the Eagles. I went to HBCU because of Central, because, you know, growing up in Durham, mm -hmm. always going to the, you know, basketball game. Coming. Culture of the experience, hearing the band. I was like, I can't imagine going to a school without hearing that, like, just hearing a drum line in the background. And and I, you know, I've gone to, I lived in Durham my whole life, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll go somewhere else. And so that's well, Howard U was a good place to start. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great place to start. Uh, and then, and then I went, I trained at the Yale School of Drama. And um, what was that like? I don't get a lot of Yale Drama School people and it's like the most coveted because you think of Angela Bassett, Samuel Jackson. So what was that experience like? Like that's well, the uh, school for acting. And, and, and that's what it felt like, you know, okay. walking in the doors. Uh, you certainly know the shoulders that you're standing on as a student um, and that the spaces that you're training in are blessed, you know, in, mm -hmm. in those ways by the people that came before. Um, and so like what was even the process to apply to go from you, you know like you just yeah I do know okay <laughs> like share with us okay. well you know to get into the old school drama obviously you apply right and and once you your application is submitted then you have to do the audition portion mm -hmm. and the audition portion consists of uh two monologues and of course you have your head chat your, you know, your resume so you go and audition at I in either New York, New Haven, or California, and then after it, or I'm sorry, New York, New Haven. I want to say Chicago and California, and then after uh, you audition, then there's another round of auditions, um, the callback round, and you have two rounds of callbacks the day of the audition, and then there's another round, um, like a couple of months later after they've auditioned everybody in the country. The year I applied, I think they said about. 1,500 applicants applied for the 16 slots um, that became our class, which was a crazy number to think about before auditioning. But because um, how many spots know, were they were um, were they even filling? 16. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Wow, that's each a lot class, of pressure. Each class is 16, uh, okay. and the same at Howard as well. Actually, um, mm. it was a very wonderful like experience just um, being able to concentrate on the craft of acting and break it down in so many different ways you know the voice the body um character work scene work uh text analysis like all of the minutiae that 
you just don't see when you watch a show. You know, right. the amount of training that actors go through, whether they go to a grad program or undergrad or they just train on their own. Like it is a craft that has requires lots of hours of uh, diligent work. So, yeah, it was fun. And people don't always realize that because I, I know when you first get started, a lot of times you have to do the free jobs, the student films, just to kind of build up your reel or even experience. Mm-hmm. And people take that for granted that, OK, I've been doing it 10 years or 20 years. Do I still have to do free work? No, like at some point you should be yeah. able to move past that. <laughs> and also people should understand that when you're doing the free work is to build up your resume, build up experience, even in some ways network with people on the same level. So you guys can kind of grow up together, whether it's producers, directors, or so on. And working at Yale, I'm sure that networking experience with the different people that were in your class, whether even at Howard, because I mean, I saw that one of our greatest um, actors in Howard University alum was part of your um, acting program as well with Chad Bozeman. So I know that experience had to be so rich with so much more. Um, What advice would you give maybe for actors that don't necessarily have a chance to go to Yale, but as far as like networking and just really building those relationships so you can get past the free work and get to a level where you're getting to get the real jobs. Well, I mean, you know, it is, you've made a very valid point about making connections with your peer group. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think the misconception is that you need to look to somebody bigger, higher to connect and they give you an opportunity. But what I think people miss or eventually learn is that our industry is is an entrepreneur's industry. We, right. we create the product. We, you know what I mean? We, we, we create the idea. We sell it. Um, and whether you're selling it to a studio or you're selling it to the masses, that is integral to the process of being successful in this business. And, um, and so when you work with people who are directly beside you, you can create something really wonderful and then you create a following and then you package it in a way Um, as opposed to waiting and knocking on somebody else's doors who are already working with their friends, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, (laughs) And and have been doing so for 30 years. And uh, yeah, it's, it's also not underestimating yourself or the people next to you because Mm -hmm. they're working hard and, and um, you know, putting in the work then that, that is what you want to work with. Not to say that you don't need connections that are above you and mentors and people to, to push things forward, but um, looking at it in a communal sense versus an individual sense, is it's, it makes all the difference. It really does. Um, you know, approaching the business in a communal understanding because it is always steeped in community and your success does not come without your community. Like right. every, uh, every piece of, you know, why I'm working now is because of the community that was cultivated around me from middle school to high school to college to yeah. Yale drama, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now, um, this greater community that is like the industry, which is you know that. <laughs> exactly. And that's the whole point, like being, ha- being able to make that group, there also will be your support group when you get a lot of rebuttals. Cause it's, it's one of those industries. There may be a thousand auditions you go on before you get the one, but yeah, that's it's, right those thousands of auditions probably weren't for you. Like they might, uh, you don't know what they're looking for, but on the other side of the camera, all you know is you didn't get that job and somebody else did, or they ended up trashing their projects. So you really do need that network of people that you can always count to help build you up. But what were some other things that you would want to give 
um, advice as far or opinion as far as um, what people should do to really build those relationships or even what other things you learn from Howard or Yale or just in the industry in general that really helped you that you would want to share with others? Well, it's a, a number of things, but like some three core things that I like hold on to on a daily basis and that I do share with people is a um, making sure you have your own definition of what success is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because You can look at somebody else's success and decide you want that. And, and, and that doesn't really apply to you in your instrument and, and your gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're limiting yourself and, and seeing this one idea of success. And you're like, I just want to be a superstar and be on, you know, in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're a really gifted writer. And if you only limit yourself to, you know, one facet because of what you see, you may be limiting yourself in general. Um, but then also it's necessary to have your own definition of success because it is my compass, for example, my compass whenever I'm working to make sure that I'm doing the work that I am supposed to be doing. Like I can get a job, but is it the job for me? I cannot get a job and, and be sad about it, but is maybe that job wasn't for you and something better is for you. So right, right. there's that. But then the other part I think is actors. I, I strongly encourage actors specifically to write and create the work that they want to see themselves in okay. um, because you'll get the opportunity. It will come. If you put in the work, if you train, um, it'll come. Right. It that whole manifestation. You know what I mean? Like it will be, yeah. yeah, you'll manifest it. But once you're there, the next question somebody will say is, you know, well, what do you want to do next? And if you don't have an answer to that question, then you don't have a career. You know what I mean? Right, you don't. Right. So if you're only looking to do this thing and get a job or break out, but you don't see yourself in the full context of living a life as an artist, then you're limiting, you know, even your potential. Um, And how wonderful will it be to get your first TV gig or be a series regular and then the season end or the series end and somebody say, okay, Lauren, what do you want to do next? And I'm like, well, I wrote this screenplay, (laughs) you know what I mean? And and people are like, great, let's do it. You know, again, an entrepreneur in that sense and having the full scope of what it is you want to offer. That's amazing. That's a really great tip. So thanks for that. Now you have a really good career. Um, going right now so what do you think we're uh, for even for yourself share a little bit about how that process started off for you you left Yale school you graduate from Yale school how did you get to City on a Hill like what were the steps that led up to being a serious regular and not just a serious regular but top of the line serious regular I um Actually, make sure, let me make sure I got what she said. So basically, what was it that propelled you? Mm-hmm. Series regular? Mm-hmm. Um, I think besides God and the universe, right? Like, which is a large part of, of the thing. But um, I think when you, like I said, there were other jobs that I auditioned for. That I was, you know, that I had the opportunity to to make a very significant move for I could have you know had the role or something but it did not feel like it was the best job for me and um 
So I had to be patient in that sense. And yet things still happen really quickly as it relates to landing the job that I currently have. And, um, but I think the biggest thing was being able to, yes, focus on being an artist, but also focus on like the business side of things and understanding how the business works. And I have like a crash course, I'd say in the last semester, in that last going into the that year of graduating grad school. Um, and what the what what the what was happening in the business that were allowing people to make certain steps forward, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So basically I I talked to a lot of managers and said, okay, what you know, what are you doing for your clients? I've talked to a lot of agents and I wasn't represented by those people at the, that, that time. I was just asking mm -hmm. questions. So I wasn't asking you, hey, can you represent me and get me jobs? I was like, well, how are you getting your your mm -hmm. clients job? What are you doing during this season? Um, to get clients work. Um, what are you know asking questions like that? Doing the research and thankfully, like my school created a curriculum around us being able to ask those kinds of questions of agents. But also, once we were connected, you know, I will follow up on. Okay, so how do you prepare for pilot season? What? Do you, how are you preparing your your um, your your clients for pilot season? Well, right. somebody would say, well, I have them meet with different casting directors. So. That is all to say, I asked my agent, I said, okay, well, here are the casting directors that came to see my showcase. Here are the casting directors in LA that I don't know. Here are the people who are casting shows that I think I would be you know, good for, or, or casting directors at networks that I think I'll be good for. Um, here's all the lists. Can we connect the dots of making those meetings happen, right? And they're like, yeah, also thanks for making the list. Thanks for you know being on it in, in that way. Mm -hmm. and. So utilizing the resources that were at my discretion and, and obviously like having an agent is a huge resource. Um, but I will say if if you're not thinking in a business sense, I find that a lot of actors get frustrated with their agents because they're waiting for their agents to do all of that work. And quite frankly, that's not how agents work. Um, they, they, they do a significant amount of work but you are the CEO of your business, if you right, will. Right. You know? and, and, and they'll do even more work the more work you do. And so I just offer that um, because I do recognize that like, maybe if I didn't ask to go on those meetings and met the cast director mm -hmm. that I met, that connected to that audition that same week of those meetings, I wouldn't be, you know, a series regular on the No, that's amazing. Because it's funny, I did this class yesterday with um, Screen Actors Guild. Uh, it was part of the foundation where they had a class about career focus. And they made a point of saying, collecting those master lists, using IMDb Pro to find out the casting directors, the writers and the producers for the shows or the kinds of shows that you see yourself on and make those connections, whether it's through Instagram, Twitter, just following them and finding out what like how you like how you could end up making those connections with each other or seeing maybe any mutuals that you might have to find out what they were looking for or find a way to get submitted for the latest, greatest, whatever that you might be up for. I mean, it's a little different since we live in North Carolina. There's like three casting directors here. Yeah, <laughs> so, all the better, right? Because right, you yeah. got to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. I certainly, when I graduated from Howard, I started my professional career in D.C., I we were between Howard and, and going to grad school. I was working constantly as a theater artist in okay. professional theater houses. Um, and, 
you know, I became an, an a part of the um, the theater acting union, so Actors Equity, uh, about six months after graduating school, which was sometimes it takes three to six years to to do that. Um, and it, I think that's largely because I was working in a smaller market. I didn't go straight to New York. Um, and because, you know, taking that same approach and applying that to a small market and saying, okay, here are the casting directors, mm-hmm. what shows are happening. And then eventually, you know, auditioning for those shows, I, I find myself, you know, in a, in a paid unionized uh, position. So mm-hmm. that's a good point to bring up about small markets. Small markets are important starting off. And um, and you get the wind beneath your wings, and then you go fly somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to be able. Like I'm Screen Actors Guild in a small market, and it's really easy in that sense when you're one of the few. That it's just, I don't. And even when I moved to LA, it was very well. I'd lived there before, so it was probably easy anyway. But it was already like I already had a Screen Actors Guild, so that I was already at a level where I wasn't at the very beginning. So it's just being able to have that option. Yeah. And it's it's easier here. Like I think also when people are considering grad school, for example, Mm -hmm. I I help, I coach a lot of um, people who are applying to school. And so there's so many insecurities around the idea of going back to school for for adults, Um, especially over the age of like 27, 29. And they're like, I don't know about this. Like, am I selling myself a dream? Is this ridiculous? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you don't understand how valuable it is for you and the school for you to have this experience of life, A, eh? and then also of the business. And because you come into school with a different focus, right? And and that that one year did a significant I was like, thank God I didn't go straight to grad school after undergrad, you know, because Again, working in that small market, but working in those shows, I understood exactly what I was going to grad school to get. And so I had a different focus. I wasn't going to go, you know, to have college Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2.0 to put in work and and grow and learn, you know, a a good deal. But also um, I could put away this idea of needing to get an agent or needing to work in the business because I had a dose of what the business was. So Mm -hmm. I was come in and just focus as an artist and then think about the business again when it was time. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask one more question about your film career and then I'm going to get into your activist career because that seems to be what you're doing a lot right now. I'm not saying, well, I shouldn't say career, but it's I mean, no, on everybody's I, mind. Everybody is standing up for their rights right now because yeah. there's so many things going on and people are listening. But yeah. I wanted to ask because I think not everyone gets that opportunity of getting to be in the position that you are and wondering what it was like when you got the call, you found out you're getting ready to be a series regular and I might say kind of fun co-host too. Like now you're six degrees from Kevin Bacon is a lot. Cooler. Definitely a really cool swaggy co-star that, that I have. He's a cool dude. It's funny. Um, so in 2018, my father won an award and um, Kevin Bacon was one of the, um, he was one of the presenters at the DGA awards. And it was the same night as the Eagles Super Bowl. And my dad's from Philly. His entire family is huge Eagles fans. Kevin Bacon is also from Philadelphia. So he gets up there. He says one word about Philly 
And it was like the whole table erupted. Eagles! <laughs> and he stopped and like made a moment with my uncle who has, um, he since passed. So it was like, it was like, it was a cute moment that we all have. Yeah. But whenever I see Kevin Bacon, that's instantly what I think of now is my <laughs> uncle interrupting him <laughs> during, <laughs> while he's presenting to say, Go Eagles! Wonderful. And they won. So it's a great story. Oh, it's Kevin. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, but what was it like when you were like, wait, I'm going to be working with Aldous Hodge, Kevin Bacon, all these wonderful directors and people like, on Showtime? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And first day nerves, any, like what? No, I really didn't have a lot of time to digest. Okay. I, that week of meetings that I spoke about. I flew from New York to LA, had those meetings. The audition had took place during the week of, of those meetings. At the end, the end of the last, after the last meeting for that week, I had an audition. One audition for that whole week, I was exhausted. I did the, the audition, I did the meetings, I did the audition at the end of the day. I got on red eye, came back to New York. Got to New York and got a call. Hey, they loved your audition. They want you to do the callback. They realized you just got back to New York, so they're just going to use your tape as the callback audition against the other people who come in for the callback. Yeah. Okay. And then that was about 24 to 36 hours, and then I got the job. And then within another 48 hours, I was on a plane to Boston to shoot the pilot for the show mm. you know so it wasn't a lot wow. of time between, oh this show is i'm auditioning for this thing kevin bacon now this hodge and 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 being in the room you know reading the script with them um before with all the producers and executive um executives at showtime so you know it was i didn't sleep much and i remember just being like what's happening you know <laughs> Like, I'm going to have bags on the first day of school. <laughs> yeah. What has happened? But, um, but, you know, uh, retrospectively, it's an amazing, you know, opportunity mm -hmm. for me to be working with those guys and also Jill Hennessy, who I looked up to. I from LA. Was it LA Law? I'm trying to remember what I saw her in yeah. first. It wasn't LA Law. Uh, Law and Order. Uh, Law and Order. That's it. Yeah. And um, I was like, I knew she was an attorney. She was the district attorney. That's right. Austin Jordan. Huh? I was right. I was like, she was the district attorney. I knew it was a law show, but I'm like, not law, not LA law. That's that's what my parents watched. <laughs> but I was like, wait, what was it? Law and order first. You know, Jill, and then all of the other wonderful actors that I got to meet and, mm -hmm. and get to know their work and their person uh, via this experience. And Showtime is a really great company. And you're playing a district attorney, which pretty much just goes right into the next segment yeah. of even an activist and just really being involved with everything. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying, Siobhan, uh, DeCourcy, Al just plays uh, mm -hmm. the, the assistant DA and I am the, uh, I'm a, a, a defense attorney and defense attorney, community sorry. activist. Yeah. Yep. So it fits right in. Like,